the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things, put them in your brain. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio, your favorite funk radio show. This is Kyle. And this is Peter. Yay. We are back bringing you another cool episode of your favorite funk hits. Yes, um, <laughs> this episode we're actually going to be discussing protest songs of the funk and soul persuasion that were very prominent in the uh, 60s and 70s. But I believe before we get into that awesome topic, Peter, do you have something you want to say? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, So anyone who listened to our last episode knows that we talked about um, funk and soul songs that have been used in recent commercials on TV. And since then, just a few days ago, within that time frame, I've seen two more, and I actually remembered a third one that we never mentioned. So um, just to uh, follow up on that, JCPenney, along with using Get Ready by the Temptations, has also been using... Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs, who we also mentioned um, that song has also been used by two other commercials recently. So there's a third one for you. I'm telling you, it's a popular song, man. And uh, Subway is actually using September by Earth, Wind, and Fire right now. Oh, because of the September $5 football yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. You guys should totally go there because their sandwiches are good. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember who's been using this, but I, I it came to mind recently that someone is also using... Um, Express Yourself by Charles Wright. Oh, I love that song. So yeah, just, uh, I guess, putting the nail in that coffin of the whole funk and soul is used a lot for advertising nowadays. Yes. Which is kind of cool. We have beat that horse to death. Yes. And nailed it into a coffin and thrown it into the Hudson River. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should probably get up on our new horse for today's episode. Is this a funk horse or a white horse? It's a funk horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I just like imagine I... a horse with an afro. <laughs> <laughs> like Afro Circus from the, the Madagascar. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Yes, please. Um, yes, as I was saying earlier, um, this episode we're discussing protest songs, which were obviously very prominent in the 60s and 70s due to the civil rights movement. But even then, even though the civil rights movement was going on, it was very risky for popular artists to release songs like this, fearing that they may lose fans and listeners that may not agree with their um, stands. Right. Um, one really good example is Sam Cooke wrote a song in 1963 called A Change Is Gonna Come, which is arguably probably his most famous song. We should, uh, we should listen to a clip from the song right now. For sure. So that you listeners can get a feel for what change Sam Cooke was trying to make with this song. Oh, and just like the river I've been running Ever since It's been a long A long time coming But I know A change gonna come So yeah, that was A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke. The song was actually originally inspired when he heard Blown in the Wind by Bob Dylan and he remarked how such a poignant song about racism can be written by a white guy. 
because um, Bob Dylan was very, very popular then. He was basically like the like the grandfather of folk music mm-hmm. um, in the 60s. So he pulled inspiration from that, as well as um, as he was touring, he would speak with sit-in protesters around the South. Uh, he spoke with some that were sitting in uh, nearby after one of his concerts, and I guess they uh, really influenced his uh, opinion of, I guess, the standpoint of the day as far as civil rights. So, so um, Bob Dylan was pro-civil rights then? Oh, of course, of yeah. Course. No, folk music, even though it was popular at that time, was very uh, liberal, I guess, in its leanings. Very political. What's funny, though, actually, is Sam Cooke and his band, um, they were arrested for disturbing the peace in Tennessee for attempting to register at a motel that was whites only. Wow. I guess during one of their tours. So, so they were arrested yeah. for that? Damn. Yeah, they were just arrested because they like were uh, on tour and wanted to get into a motel. And I don't know if they did or didn't realize it was whites only. Mm. But yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, I have a, uh, a comment about Sam Cooke. I actually, really, uh, a couple of days ago, picked up one of his best of albums. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. Um, at first I was a little disturbed by the fact that that actually didn't include this song. Cause this is his most famous song. Mm-hmm. It's actually okay because it's helping me uh, learn more about his style of music, which I don't know that much about. So I figured I would uh, explore Sam cook a little further and uh, he's really cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. More of like a sound of like late fifties, early sixties type of thing before he got into more soul type stuff like this. I think I think uh, change is going to come was definitely a catalyst for uh, kind of changing his sound very drastically mm-hmm. because like like the few songs I heard that he wrote before that were much different sounding than that was. Yeah, and it seems like that song influenced his sound from then on. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, I don't know if this was part of that uh, that change in style, but uh, sadly, I read that like about. A year before he wrote the song, his uh, 18-month-year-old like accidentally died in a drowning accident. Oh wow! So I'm sure that hit him pretty heavily too. That, you mean that happened before he recorded "Change mm-hmm. Is Gonna Come"? Yeah, pretty pretty recently before that. So I'm sure that kind of got him down, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say, um, and maybe helped influence the song. I don't know. I can't say. Yeah, I'll also say something really quick about Bob Dylan. Um, I, I just uh, learned that he just released a new album four days ago. Really? Um, called Tempest. And I heard a few samples from that, and it sounds pretty good. So if you guys like Bob Dylan, you should go check out his new album. Indeed. It just came out a couple days ago. I didn't even know he was still recording, so that's. Cool. I know he. I know he's basically been on like literally this like nonstop like tour for like the last forever, mm-hmm. like years and years. He basically is just constantly on tour, mm-hmm. um, and obviously probably recording while he's doing so. But I don't know. I didn't know he was still producing. Yeah. Uh, actually, because we were talking about how uh, Sam Cooke kind of switched from his earlier style into soul. Mm-hmm. Something I actually want to touch on about soul music in general is that really, as it kind of developed in the sixties, it's, it kind of had, it has its roots in the kind of social consciousness and anxiety of African-Americans at the time because of the, the uh, civil rights movement that we were talking about before. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was created by, you know, the black community to reclaim their identity and, it was a way for for these black people to involve themselves in this political and cultural movement that obviously was very long overdue. Yeah, and even just the name Soul like came from this uh, African American identity that their culture and they, as people, have souls, whereas they didn't think that you know the white people that were oppressing them did. Right. It was kind of an identity thing. Exactly. That, exactly. That uh, strengthened them all as a community. 
And obviously it was very religiously um, influenced as well. Obviously Soul was birthed partly from gospel music. Right, right. So speaking of um, artists that kind of changed, I guess, their direction um, a little bit, you were saying that War by Edwin Starr was actually originally performed by The Temptations. Yeah, that's something interesting I didn't know because uh, actually let's hear a clip from War by Edwin Starr really quick uh, so that you recognize the song. I'm sure almost every one of you has heard this yeah, before. Yeah, of course. Okay, that was War by Edwin Starr. It was actually uh, written to protest the Vietnam War because this was this was released in 1970. So that's what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Something I didn't know about this song was that it was originally performed by The Temptations and released on their album Psychedelic Shack in March 1970, which was three months before Edwin Starr's version came out. Mm-hmm. But it was on their album. It was on their vinyl album, so it wasn't like a single by itself. And fans wrote in to Motown requesting, can we get this song as a single because we love this song. But the executives at Motown were thinking, you know, we don't want to upset uh, the more conservative fans of The Temptations. So they went ahead and uh, brought Edwin Starr in to sing the song instead. And three months later, his version was released, and it became his most famous song. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It just shows how there's this dissonance between often what the artist sometimes wants and what their producers want, because um, the producers didn't want The Temptations singing the song that was so inflammatory at the time. But um, obviously, that's why... Even in this time period of uh, civil upheaval, it was really difficult for famous artists to release songs like this because they were obviously having to fight with record labels and record producers right. who wanted to keep things the way they were as far as like fan base. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to upset anybody. Right. So well, it's a it's a smart decision, I guess. They don't want to. It's yeah. It's obviously it's obviously a businessly motivated decision. So obviously there's that disconnect between what the artist felt was right and what they knew was going to make money. Right. Another cool protesty song that came out the year after in 1971 was, was what's going on by uh, Marvin Gaye. The song was actually written by um, Gaye and, Ren- and Ronaldo Benson. Ronaldo Benson is one of the singers of the four tops, a very famous harmonic band in the sixties. Uh, They're really cool. They are. And actually was originally inspired by a scene of police brutality that Benson witnessed during a major anti-war protest at People's Park in Berkeley, California, um, because of the like horrible clash between police and protesters, was actually later dubbed Bloody Thursday. Hmm. So it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, let's hear a bit of what's going on by Marvin Gaye. I'm sure all of you guys have heard it. So. Or at least most of you. Yeah, all of them. Mother, mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. Okay, um, that was What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. A uh, very famous song, probably easily one of his more famous. Um, it was funny because since Benson obviously had such a hand in uh, writing the song, he originally offered it to the Four Tops, his band, who declined it. I'm, I'm sure, obviously, they declined it possibly for the same inflammatory reasons 
that the uh, Temptations did not want to release War. So uh, Marvin Gaye, who was just like, I don't care, I'll do it. Um, he was uh, basically took the song, added a little bit of his own twist, his own uh, identity to it, and made it what it is now. And he uh, actually said in interviews that a uh, big turning point in his life was he was a witness of the Watts riots in 1965, really huge race riot during the uh, uh, civil rights era. And he's quoted as saying, with the world exploding around me, how am I supposed to keep writing love songs? Mm. So basically, that was a turning point for him because he was known before then as obviously having a lot more, writing a lot more love songs, right. like uh, the ones we were discussing last week. Like Let's Get It On. And uh, what was the other one you were mentioning? Uh, sexual Healing. Yeah. And this was a big turning point for him as well as an artist because it was really his first big protest song. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he kind of became much more politically active. So four years later in 1975... Um, the Isley Brothers, who you may know for their songs like uh, Who's That Lady and uh, what's another one they did, Kyle? Do you know? Oh, uh, uh, Summer Breeze. Summer Breeze. Thank yeah. You. That's I love that song. I play that in my car all the time, especially <laughs> obviously in the summer. Mm-hmm. We could use a summer breeze right now. It's like 100 degrees down here. Oh my gosh, I know. Uh, anyway, so they released a song in 1975 called Fight the Power. And you should take a little listen to that right now. Okay, that was Fight the Power by the Isley Brothers. That song was released in 1975 and speaks out against authority in general. I don't think it was really targeting anyone specifically. But they, the group actually wrote this song together with another one they did um, called Harvest for the World, which kind of had a similar theme. It was more of a uh, anti-poverty ballad, and it's more uplifting, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so that, that actually the, the songs, while they're both politically oriented, they're, they're, they sound very different. But um, I guess they decided to record both those songs back to back on the same day, which was kind of cool, even though they released them, you know, a couple of months apart. Um, I think that song, is, uh, along with obviously the harvest for the world, even though it wasn't really directing its uh, words at any one group, it was definitely a commentary on um, in the 70s, there was this huge uh, urbanization of the black population, basically, you know, the term white flight. I'm sure you learned that in school, where basically white people moved from the cities to the suburbs, black people moved into the cities. Yeah. Um, a really huge influx of that during the 70s, and because of that, there was the uh, that was kind of where the term ghetto for, uh, really was first kind of becoming popular because they you know were li- they lived in these poor urban areas um, that really were not like that were expanding immensely and really weren't seen uh, before then you know in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So. And there was uh, there was problems with police brutality even in the 70s. Yeah. Um, that was uh, when they were starting to pass all these new drug laws that were causing like, you know, heroin addicts and stuff to like explode. Not um, not literally though. <laughs> that would be really funny though. They think it's heroin. It's like crystal meth. It's like pop rocks and they explode. Obviously, we know a lot about drugs. <laughs> yeah, we 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 are definitely up on the uh, drugs of the day. I would say it was, let's see, 14 years or so later, 1989. Yep. Um, the, uh, I guess they're more of a hip-hop group, uh, Public Enemy, released their famous song, Fight the Power, which was directly inspired by 
the uh, the Isley Brothers one that we just heard. Did uh, they sa- did they sample them at all, or was it just no? It doesn't sample. It's, it's a different song, but it's just inspired by it. Okay. Okay. Um, actually, you guys can listen to that right now as we give you a cool sample of "Fight the Power" by Public Enemy. <laughs> So yeah, um, definitely a different sound from the uh, the Isley Brothers, but it's kind of the same idea. Yeah, I was going to say, the song was actually originally written for Spike Lee's film Do the Right Thing, That's right. which was easily his most popular movie and very big, talking about uh, racial tension in America at that time. Yeah. So it that's obviously... What, that's, I mean, the song and the movie kind of tie in together. Basically yeah, the same like, highly encourage you guys to go watch that movie if you haven't. It's a classic. Yeah. Um, I know some people don't care for it too much. I, I enjoyed it. I really liked. It. I liked it too. I mean, it's he's Spike Lee is a huge director. I mean, he's always kind of had that standpoint of trying to display hardship of African Americans and lives of African Americans to people that don't normally see it. Right. So, um, no, I think this was a really big film to really help um, the African American population, like make I guess suburbanites understand their plight. Because mm-hmm. it was a huge film even back then. So it's it's called uh, Do the Right Thing, if you didn't hear it. Yes. And that uh, came out in 1989, along with the song. Yes. And well, uh, this song was, I would say this song was a lot more popular than uh, the Addison Brothers. Than the original version. Well, yeah. that was, yeah, but that the late 80s was back when rap was really exploding with like Public Enemy and uh, yeah. uh, Busta Rhymes, I think, was in the 80, late 80s and stuff. Yeah, that song is, well, it, it alludes to a lot of African-American culture. It includes a lot of uh, references to civil rights uprisings and political figures mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So obviously, I mean, like you think all the way back to, you know, 63 with Sam Cooke. And then, you know, more than 20 years later in 89, you still have musicians talking about, you know, not maybe precisely the same thing, but it generally it's yeah, a very it, similar theme. It just shows how throughout, you know, these, this 20, 30 year span, even though obviously African-Americans won, uh, right the rights that they deserved they still were um kind of largely kept down in ways Mm -hmm. either politically or economically can you think of any uh maybe modern soul or anything that still touches on the same Um, subject or do you you Um, think it's gotten better it's gotten better but um oh gosh what's that soul guy's name who uh did the the stuff with the with that rap group. Uh, um, John Legend. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, he's really cool. John Legend, John Legend and the Roots, actually. Yeah. They uh, paired off and did an album, and a lot of his songs are very politically motivated. Yeah. Just talking about the plight of African Americans and really just the plight of the country in general, because it was written just a few years ago, you know, during the war and during the whole political tension that was going on. Mm-hmm. That is still kind of around. Yeah, actually, um, what was that album he did recently? Oh, gosh. Was it, like, his most recent one? Yeah. It came out in, like, maybe uh, 2010. Wake Up, that's what it's called. Yes, thank you. Actually, something cool about Wake Up, he does a cover version of Wake Up Everybody by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, which is a really good cover version of that, by the way.
So that was Wake Up Everybody, a uh, cover of Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. That The one we just heard was by John Legend from his 2010 album, Wake Up. I think that, I think that was the album that I, was dis- that I was talking about. I just didn't realize it was called Wake Up, where he was pairing with the Roots. Yeah. And uh, they did that collaborative album together. The cool thing about Wake Up Everybody, that's actually, uh, they're not, it's not that political, but it's talking about, I think it talks about society in general, how we all need to kind of wake up. Exactly. It's more, it's more, it's more a commentary on society and how we have, on how people have to wake up to the realization that everything is not candy coated. Yeah. I I wish it was, but, uh, yes, (laughs) I wish everything was coated in crystallized sugar. (laughs) That would be really sickening after a while. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it's just, it talks about society in general. Um, the original came out in, 1975 but this is 2010 so i mean it's still relevant obviously the message is still there you know society's never going to be perfect especially in the the uh the problems that we've been talking about today kind of just clicked in my head um do you think that possibly this resurgence of soul like in people like john legend and people like um we were discussing last week uh the heavy Mm -hmm. do you think part of that is possibly because of the hardships of, that are going on right now. You talking about like racial stuff or like economic? I'm just talking about economic problems, social problems. Like it doesn't have to be necessarily racial, but I think soul kind of lends itself to that. Lend, it lends itself to, to those sort of problems because if you think about it, in the '90s, '90s everyone sees as like, oh, that was awesome, you know, mm-hmm. huge economic expansion and all that. And really, there wasn't a lot of soul. There were some harmony harmony bands. Even uh, I would say, I would say most of. The early 2000s, they didn't have it. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely really resurged in the mid-2000s and onward because of the war and the depression or recession, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's actually a good point, is that when there's these times of social, political, or economic evil is when it really lends to uh, expanding the soul genre because it's very influenced by that. Mm. You know, I, I didn't I didn't think about that, but that's a really... Uh... That's a kind of a cool point, assuming mm-hmm. like even though we're having hard times right now, maybe it's a good time for, for this kind of music because it kind of comes back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, soul uh, in its in its roots, really, even though it discusses um, these hardships, really it always comes back to an optimistic view of things can get better mm-hmm. or things will change as we see as change is going to come. Yeah, So actually that's something I really like about... Um, John Legend's music too is that because he's associated with you know the kind of hip hop scene a little bit, a little bit, yeah. But he also has uh, his songs are all really uplifting. Yeah, oh, for and he sure. and he kind of talks about you know even though things are bad, you know they're gonna get better, mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. So I think I, I really like his message overall. Mm-hmm. Very, it's really cool. yeah, very optimistic. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm good. Uh, went to Costco today, renewed my Costco card. Nice. So now I can get things in bulk again. Like the funk. Like 50 bottles of ketchup. <laughs> I actually wanted to, because I started playing tennis, I wanted to buy some tennis balls. But the only thing they had was like a pack of like 48 balls. Oh my god. I'm like, unless I have like one of those launching systems, I'm not going to need that many. Even well, with... you you, uh, you have been hitting them over the fence a bit, haven't you? I've gotten, Maybe not so I've much gotten better at that. I just, yeah, I need to find I need to find tennis courts that are either like enclosed in domes <laughs> or just have really high fences because yeah i've been lobbing them a little high need to get better at my uh forehand mm. how about you peter how are you doing i'm doing pretty good that's pretty good cool. <laughs> <laughs> i was driving in the car not too long before we started recording this uh-huh. and on the radio i heard for the first time in like two years um in the evening by 
Led Zeppelin. Oh, nice. I don't know if a if you remember which song that is. Yeah, I, it sounds familiar. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, okay. Now that your terrible rendition has reminded me. Um, okay, but uh, yeah, I haven't heard that in a long while, and we, I really like that song. What station were you listening to? Ninety-five point five. I have no idea. Oh. It was just on. Nice. But it was a cool song. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. I mean, obviously they are rock, but they definitely—I don't know—they seem to have a very R&B influence in some of their stuff. Mm. I'd say. That's cool. I don't know if the rock fanatics would agree with me on that, but I don't know. I've seen it. I've heard it. Um. So if you enjoyed our show today, you should go subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search Funk Radio under uh, podcasts, or you could go listen to us at EighthCircuit.com. They have. Uh, news for movies and entertainment and gaming and stuff. They're really cool. Also, um, they have other podcasts too. They have amazing podcasts. We also have a Facebook page. Um, if you go to facebook.com forward slash get your funk, yep. uh, all one word, then, or just type in like funk radio, I think it'll probably come up. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah, go there, like us. Um, you can see, you can get our posts um, as, like basically as soon as we post it up online, we post it to Facebook so you can get that right away. And yeah. we also post songs that we hear. Ooh, ooh. Yes. Another song that I recently rediscovered that I completely forgot about yes. until now was uh, Boogie Down by Al Jarreau. Oh, yeah. That's a really good song. You guys should check that out. That's really fun. That's that bow, 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 right? Or no? Am I off? I'm off. Close enough, I guess. Hey, that was better than your Led Zeppelin rendition, so... Perhaps, yeah. Anyways, yeah. this uh, has been Kyle. And this has been Peter. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Funk Radio. See you soon. We'll be back soon. Join us again. We'll have another episode. Uh, it's pretty early next week, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.